Considering the subject matter of Shadow Initiative Paranormal Talk, the hosts recommend using discretion when allowing anyone under the age of 17 to listen. Listener discretion is advised. Shadow Initiative Paranormal Talk is proudly available worldwide on Apple Music, Spotify, Amazon Music, Facebook Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and more. On this episode of Shadow Initiative Paranormal Talk, Rick and Stephen read a listener's ghost story when a grandmother haunts her granddaughter, and they welcome special guest Tim Woolworth from Paranormal Study and ITC Voices. All of that and so much more, right now on Shadow Initiative Paranormal Talk. And welcome, one and all, to another edition of the Shadow Initiative Paranormal Talk. We are your hosts, Rick Hale and Stephen Lancaster, ghost hunters and authors. Hey, Stephen, how you doing, man? Oh, you know, same old, same old, not knowing what the hell's going on, but having fun at it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you were a little uh, little uh, verklempt uh, before we came on air. But don't worry, everybody, we got it all worked out. So today, on today's show, we have got a really great show for you. we got a great guest. We're going to be talking to Tim Woolworth of ITC Voices website, as well as Paranormal Study. And, you know, Stephen, you know this, but our listeners may not know this. Tim's kind of my boss <laughs> when, when it comes to being a writer of all things strange and unusual. I do write for his Paranormal Study website. Um, so it's going to be a great show, Stephen. We're going to be talking a lot about ITC, which is um, Instrumental Transcommunication, as well as uh, Electronic Voice Phenomena. So we're going to be getting the, uh, the 411 from him on those things. And also, we are going to be introducing a new segment on the show. And I know that you're excited about this because I know how much you love new segments, Stephen. Oh, and anything in which you're going to be reading always excites me, Rick. <laughs> oh, I know so, it does. I know it. But you came up with a name name for it, and this was this was your baby from beginning to mm -hmm. end. So why don't you tell our listeners what exactly is launching today? So the new segment that we have launching today is called Encounters from Beyond. What this is, is this is stories from you, the listener, that you send to us and we read it on air. Uh, today is going to be our, our very first um, episode in this segment. And we hear from Linda Beck from the United Kingdom and her story called Nana's Special Child. <laughs> and... Um, so we're going to learn about how she had this, her very first experience with the ghost. And it is, uh, it's very touching. I think people are really going to dig it. And uh, so I just got to say, you know, for future reference, if you want your story, I don't care what it is. I don't care if it is because you, you, you had an encounter with the ghost. We don't care if it's with uh, Yeti. We don't care if it's alien or anything psychic, whatever. Strange and unusual. Send it to us and we'll read it here on air. Yes, I want to hear about your encounters with the Mongolian death worm and the boojum. Uh, the boojum, yes. You know, I almost forgot about the boojum. That was one of the ones that I've never heard heard of before. Yeah, well, it's 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 legendary, it, well, Rick. It's, it's a lot like myself. Oh. 
<laughs> okay, so we got this so new segment. Nice. And you know, Rick, there's a lot to unpack from her story. So why don't you go ahead really and is. share her story with our listeners? Okay, so as I said, this comes from Linda Beck all the way in the United Kingdom, and it's called Nana's Special Child. Um, she writes, my first, exper- my first experience with spirit was when I was just eight years old. I remember it as if it were yesterday. I will touch on what led to the experience. From a young age, I was very special to my Nana. I loved her so much, I used to stay with her a lot of the time because my own mother and stepfather did not look after me properly. And when I could not stay with my Nana, I was in care homes, going back and forth. On this occasion when I was at home, I was told by my mother that I could not see my Nana and that she was not well. I cried because I wanted to see her, but I couldn't. A couple of weeks passed and when we were told that she had passed away, I was devastated could not believe that my Nana was gone. Then the funeral arrangements were made and the day of the funeral arrived and everyone was getting ready when I said, what do I wear, ma'am? And she said, you're not going, speaking of her mother. Why, I asked. She said, because you are not. I was heartbroken. My younger cousins were going, my aunties and my uncles and my friends. I just cried and cried and I never got to say goodbye. A few weeks had passed when I was told I was going back into care. So here I was yet again in a care home I did not know. This is when things started to change. I met the care staff and was shown to my room. It was horrible, plain and just cold. I was putting my clothes away when I had an overwhelming feeling that someone was watching me I turned around, but no one was there. So I finished up and went to put my PJs on, my bed, and all of a sudden, I felt fingers touch my arm. It felt like someone had put an ice cube on my arm. At the same time, I heard a very gentle whisper say, Linda. Well, I freaked out and started running out of the room crying. I told one of the care staff what had happened, and they all just thought I was playing it up because I did not want to be there. I felt that no one believed me. Then I was seen by a psychiatrist to talk about my feelings. Of course, they could not find anything wrong with me. It at least took another four years plus to register what had happened. And I still say to this day, that was my Nana who came to see me in spirit. Ever since that day, I have always felt protected in some way and guided. There is other experiences I have to which I can also talk about at another time. Thank you. Kind regards, Linda Beck. From across the pond, ladies and gentlemen, one of our, our listeners shares her story with us. And it's it's a really cool story, too. And, and if you guys and gals at home want to share your story, as Rick stated earlier, email us at shadowinitiativetalk at gmail.com. If you just want to write it out for us and one of us will read it like Rick just did on the air. Or if you want to come on the air with us, that would be even better. But Rick, what what do you think about Linda's story? Well, I think that it's a really nice way of 
you know, kind of getting closure with her with her nana, which I'm assuming is her grandmother. I mean, obviously, we use the term grandma here in the United States. Um, but I think that was her way of, her grandmother's way of coming back and saying, you know what, Linda, everything is going to be okay. And you hear that a lot. That is a very common theme um, that runs throughout the paranormal. You have, you know, your typical um, one-shot apparition that comes in and imparts some kind of a message and then goes off to wherever apparitions and ghosts go. So I, I really like this story because it's just it's a, it's a good way to have some closure. Yeah, you took the words right out of my mouth. When when I read it, I had taken some notes. Uh, and closure was the very first word that I wrote because she she never had that. And, and I think we've yeah. all kind of experienced that with, with many things in life, whether it be a pet or, or a loved one where you just weren't there. Or, or it goes back to that old saying, you know, embrace today because... Right. There might not be a tomorrow, but you know, it, it always, there always seems to be that one element in in Mm -hmm. all these stories. And that is emotional distraught. There's always some, some kind of heavy energy, you know, this, this heavy energy that's going on. Right. Yeah. And that's, and and, and that's the, that's the thing. It's like, I've always been a, a firm believer that our emotions and energy that we give off invites um, spirits to us. And I think that um, Linda's story, which I just want to say thank you so much, Linda, for uh, sending that. Um, I think that that kind of proves that, that the emotions and the energy that we give off invites these things to us. I agree. And I mean, you're, you're looking at a, you know, a kind of a sad childhood to begin with, you know, so there, there was a lot of emotion there, you know, having to go, you, you know, to these, these care homes or, you know, we all refer to them differently, you know, they're foster homes, you know, kind, kind of how I refer to them. And, um, did Rick, am I wrong in saying that you kind of worked with something like that before? Or am I thinking of somebody I else? did. Yeah. Okay. No, I did. Um, before, before I got, um, before I was diagnosed with cancer and lost my leg, um, I worked at a, a residential treatment facility, which, you know, would be like our version of a care home. Um, and, I, you know, I worked with kids that had, you know, behavioral disorders, learning disorders, um, kids that were abandoned and neglected or even abused by their family. So, you know, kids that are in that kind of a situation, their emotions are very raw and very deep and sometimes it's really difficult for them to talk about those emotions and those feelings but i think you know with like linda right here she has you know she's she's come to terms with that past dealing with that kind of thing and um and her 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 visiting grandmother in spirit you know really helped her along with that yeah, it's a really cool story, and thank you, Linda, for sharing it. And Rick, you thank know, you, with Linda. you, you know, you being involved in the paranormal, um, did you ever see any red flags in your your line of work? You know, were, were there stories around the the facility of, of, that are similar to Linda's? 
Uh, there was. There was uh, there was a couple of stories, actually, and one that I wish that I could have been involved in, but it happened before I started working there. Uh, it was back in the late 90s. I started working there in 2000. Uh, there was a girl in one of the cottages that um, people were saying that weird things happened when she was around. Things would move. Things would fall off walls. Um, chairs would move on their own or even fly around. Um, there would be huge crashes in the building. She was only there for a short time, but from what I was being told, I can only say that that was a legitimate poltergeist situation there. That is really interesting. See, these are things a lot of yeah. people don't talk about. We could do a whole, whole show on that. But, you know, like you interviewed me, on the most haunted restaurant in the world last mm -hmm. week. After your upcoming investigation, son, I'm going to be interviewing you. That's right. <laughs> Interrogation, no holds barred. You're getting interviewed, buddy. Payback. I, you know what? I hope that I have something to say. But as we all know, you know, those of us um, who are ghost hunters, uh, paranormal investigators, psychical researchers, parapsychologists, whatever you want to call us, you know, we don't always have something to offer upon that first visit to a place. Sometimes you get lucky, and then sometimes you got to keep going back again and again and again until you even so much as get, like, an EVP. So it's just, um, hopefully I got something to offer when, I, when we do that show the following day. Wise words from my brother from another mother. I don't know why I just did that, but I don't know why I guys, we are going to take our first break. We have the highly educated, highly respected Tim Woolworth on this show. He is coming up next and I've already got respect for the guy because anybody who has to work with Rick in any capacity gets the utmost respect from me. So I'm looking forward to this interview. Um, I know Rick, you probably are as well. So I am. So, guys, we're going to take this quick break, and we will be back with Tim Woolworth from Paranormal Study. This is going to be a really cool show, so stick around. Join the hosts on Facebook at facebook.com slash welcome to the initiative. That's facebook.com slash welcome to the initiative. Want to be a guest on Shadow Initiative Paranormal Talk? Is there something you would like to hear discussed? Contact the hosts at shadowinitiativetalk at gmail.com. That's shadowinitiativetalk at gmail.com. Want to advertise on the hottest paranormal talk show? Have your brand or services exposed to thousands of listeners daily? To advertise on Shadow Initiative Paranormal Talk, Contact the hosts at shadowinitiativetalk at gmail.com. That's shadowinitiativetalk at gmail.com. Okay, so yes, and welcome back to the Shadow Initiative Paranormal Talk. Uh, we are here with uh, Tim Woolworth of, ICE, of ITC Voices, as well as Paranormal Study, and the guy who is... Uh, He's my boss <laughs> in paranormal <laughs> land. Tim is one of the premier paranormal educators in the world. Through hundreds of articles written on his paranormal study and ITC websites, 
Tim has helped inform countless people about paranormal topics since 2010. He has been featured on NPR, NBC, and countless podcasts and radio shows. In addition to media appearances, Tim is a renowned paranormal investigator and conference lecturer. Tim Woolworth, welcome to the initiative. Welcome. So, you know, Tim, thank you so much for joining us here at the Shadow Initiative Paranormal Talk. Oh, it's a pleasure being here, guys. It's good to have you. So, you know, um, before we get into paranormal study, before we get into ITC voices, because I, I really, I need to be, I need to know more about ITC myself, because I really only know about EVP, but there's so much more involved. So let's talk about Tim first. Tim, what is it that drew you um, into paranormal land, as I like to call it? <laughs> well, I, uh, I grew up in a house where my mother was severely interested in all things paranormal. And she had a library of books that I found fascinating. First of all, let me preface that by saying I grew up in a house from 1820. So there was a lot of events going on in that house. But we had sure. a bunch of had a bunch of books there and I read it, read them from an early age and it just I got a fascination for the topic. And I carried it with me throughout life. And eventually I wound up with this ghost group back in 2007. And I was brought to um, no, excuse me. It was, yeah, 2007. And I was brought to Rolling Hills Asylum and in the now defunct Christmas room in uh, the spring of 2008, somebody had brought this broken radio and I didn't think anything of it. I, you know, it was just this little gray box that babbled and made a lot of noise, but I recorded okay. it. And during the middle of the session, the box stopped making noise and it just said, Tim Woolworth. And from that point on, I was fascinated. I went out and I hacked my first ghost box and I moved into the world of ITC. And that's kind of where I cut my teeth. I launched ITC Voices back in 2010. And I have put out a lot of theory and formulations for ghost box ITC in particular, as well as wrapping into wrapping into it a bunch of theories by my predecessors, like Ernst Sinkowski mm -hmm. and other folk of that nature. Okay. You know, um, here at the Shadow Initiative, um, history is very important to us and the history of what we do and why we do it. Um, can you give our listeners a rundown? For those who probably don't know, what is the history of EVP or electronic voice phenomena, which would eventually become ITC? Well, yeah, ITC, first of all, is, stands for Instrumental Transcommunication, for those who don't know. Um, I've worked hard to define ITC over the years because the person who coined the phrase, a uh, physicist by the name of Ernst Sienkowski, he never really gave it a full definition. And basically, ITC is the use of any third-party instrument to... to facilitate communication with consciousness of an unknown origin. More importantly, that third-party instrument should be able to independently record and review, uh, allow for review of the materials. So when we think of EVP, and we'll go into the history of EVP, but for those who know what EVP is, basically you put down a recorder, you ask questions of the other side, and you get responses that come back. Now, when you're recording EVP, the instrument is your recorder. It's third party, it's independent. You're communicating with consciousness of an unknown origin, plus you can review it um, and replay it time and time again. 
that is the whole definition of ITC wrapped into just one small part of it. EVP is under the umbrella of ITC, as are so many different other types of spirit communication. Now, going back to your original question on the history of EVP, it all started in 1901 with Valdemir Borgras. He was an anthropologist out of St. Petersburg, and he wanted to, he wanted to um, record the shamanic rituals of the Chukchi tribe that was in northern Siberia, like way up in the cold. So he went okay. up there with an Edison phonograph. And during the shamanic ritual, what they were able to do, um, I'm not sure if they still do it today, there's the Chukchi region still, but during the shamanic ritual in the tent, when he went into his drumming trance and you can hear him singing, all of a sudden there's an American voice, an English voice sounding like it was American over the phonograph saying around and around and around and around. It was talking about the wax cylinder on the phonograph going around and around and around and around. So that was the wow. first, yeah, that was the first EVP ever recorded. The second EVP ever recorded, and this was intentional, was uh, by a parapsychologist named Bayless. And his, he worked with a, clairaudient medium named Attila von Zolle. Now what they did is von Zolle, what he would like to do is play records and try to get spirit activity to ramp up by playing records and he would take photographs. Now, he had some mixed success with it, but he worked with a lot of parapsychologists back in the 40s and the 50s. So Bayless paired up with him, and they went to Los Angeles. They built a spirit cabinet for Von Zillet to be in. Now, what they did is they ran a mic into the spirit cabinet. So while he was in a trance, the microphone ran out into a record cutter, which went into a speaker, so you could listen to what was going on. They tried over and over and over. They replaced the record cutter. They did all of this stuff, and they still couldn't record an EVP. All of a mm -hmm. sudden, Von Zillet steps out of the cabinet and through the speaker blares the words, this is G. That was the first intentional EVP ever recorded. It was published upon in the American... Uh, in the journal of um, the American Society for Psychological Research back in 1957. Now, mm -hmm. this, you know, was for parapsychologists, and it, nobody gave a damn because it wasn't really repeatable at that point in time. Flash forward to 1959, and th this is what basically changed everything. There was this uh, Swedish modern Renaissance man who, his name was Friedrich Jurgensen. Now, Jurgensen was an opera singer. He was a documentarian. He painted the portraits of three different popes. And while recording a documentary, he was at his cabin in Northern Sweden, and he wanted to record bird songs. So mm -hmm. to record bird songs, what he did is basically he had his really real recorder, he had his dog next to him, and he put his microphone out the window. Now, his dog started going crazy and was barking during part of it. So he had to stop the recording and he listened back to see what he had. And there was a voice on there. And he said that the voice sounded like it was carried by the wind on the leaves. There was that rustling, that wispy character that we know about EVP. So right. he said, he set about trying to do it again. And he, over the time he was able to record. And I think it was on his third attempt. He got a voice that said, Friedel, it's mummy. 
And Friedel was his nickname as a child, so he thought it was his mother coming through. Now, when he moved back to his regular home in Sweden, he wanted to be able to continue this type of research, but he didn't have the wind on the leaves, that that nature spirit in the background, that noise. But he realized that noise may be the onus of EVP. It may be the origination. So what he did, and there are still two frequencies in Europe that are known as the Jurgensen frequencies, he hooked up a small AM antenna that just broadcast in static. Okay. Now, now what happens, and the theorem behind this, is that when a voice matches up with the static, there's something called stochastic resonance. So it's a physical property that is very well known for light and for sound. So think of like, uh, I always use this, uh, this particular uh, idea. Think of a standard bumblebee. So you got a bumblebee. Now, when all those wings bat together, when they're trying to cool their hive, all of a sudden, it, you know, it's just one bumblebee, one bumblebee frequency all together. Mm -hmm. And it gets so much louder. You can hear it from meters away. Now, that what happens basically when whatever energy they are exuding on the other side, whether it is mental energy, whether it's light energy, whether it's sound pressure, when it matches up with the noise that we find in the background, it becomes audible. The volume goes way up to a point where we can hear it on our recorders. And Jurgensen figured this out. And he published on it. He called it Voices from Space. And it was that was the first term for EVP ever used, Voices from Space. space. Now, it definitely seems to be, you know, what it is. I mean, this is coming from somewhere. It doesn't exactly. seem to be coming from the physical realm, so it must be from space, sure. Well, that's the way he looked at it, yeah, because he didn't know the where they came from. He just knew that it was, an uncon it was a discarnate consciousness trying to work with us. Now... Mm -hmm. This another guy came along. His name was Konstantin Radova, and he was a Latvian um, psychologist who trained under Jung. He was living in Germany at the time, and he he was at the end of his career. And he picks up this book, Voices from Space. Now you got to figure, if you're a psychologist and you pick up a book, uh, this guy says he who's a well-known guy. I mean, he worked with popes. He's a documentarian, a opera singer throughout Europe. This well-known guy says he's recording voices of, from the dead, voices mm -hmm. from space. He's talking to his mother. You would think that would probably be a good paper at least. So he went up <laughs> there and he talked Some to this Some serious guy. mental illness going on there. Yeah. So yeah. he went up and he talked to him. And it got demonstrated to him. And he learned the technique. He brought it back to Germany and sat down with his colleagues, including biochemists, uh, audiologists, physicists, all of these people. He sat them down in circles and demonstrated how this worked. As a matter mm -hmm. of fact, he went to Pi Studios in London and over, he set out, I think it was eight or nine different recorders. And this is a full recording studio that there is no possibility of um transmission from radio or anything like that it's a giant faraday cage it's a recording studio and they recorded over 200 in individual utterances over 20 minutes throughout all of these recorders in a controlled environment throughout europe this was on the this was front page news in europe sure. now he published about this just before he died in a book called breakthrough 
and it came to America in 1971. He published it in Germany in 1969. And this lady here in the United States by the name of Sarah Estep, she picked up a copy of this book and she formed the American Association of EVP as a result. And that is why we have EVP both in continental Europe and the United States. It's because of that direct lineage going from Jurgensen to Radovada Estep. Yeah, I think that's fascinating. Now, you told me 200 voices in a matter of 20 minutes? Over multiple recorders. And they were, okay. they were, they were individual utterances. So it's not like right. a sentence. It's an utterance. It kind of flies in the face of what Stephen and I are talking about on this show. It's like sometimes you just got to keep going back over and over and over again before you actually get something. But let me ask you something. Is it a possibility that the people that they were working with, uh, maybe even Jurgensen himself or, or Radova, was psychic, and they were expelling that kind of energy that was bringing that in? Well, Friedrich, uh, Friedrich Jurgensen actually thought that it was some form of psychokinesis that he was putting on the tape himself. That is one of the things that he theorized right from the get-go. And right. um, one of the other interesting things is that uh, they both noted that the EVPs were polyglot. So the EVPs would only come through in languages that they already understood. So you could have a sentence come through in six or seven different languages. So sections of the sentence, could, you know, you could have German and Swiss and Swiss Italian and Swedish and English all get mashed together to create one sentence. And that's called polyglot. Yeah. And I don't know if you speak other languages, but in my field work, I speak a, a bit of French and I get EVPs in French. Um, it, it still happens today. Well, I wanted to ask you that because that that is a real sticking point um, with with people who are very skeptical concerning um, spirit communication, EVPs, ITC, whatever, um, that you have people going to, say, a 1,000-year-old German castle, and they're speaking English. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you see a lot on television. And then all of a sudden, you get a voice back on the recorder that is English as well. Now, obviously, a thousand years ago, people in Germany didn't speak English or modern English. Is there a theory as to why this happens, or is that just bullshit that they show on television? No, I think it's... Uh... So... My personal theory, and I've got nothing to back this up, but sometimes mm -hmm. with ghost boxes, for example, um, I have talked to people that I know are from other countries who have passed on. And the subject-object-verb relationship is sometimes backwards. So like somebody who is a German speaker, subject-object-verb will become subject-verb-object. And it works that way in translation. And the English translation comes through that way sometimes. It's kind of like Yoda speak when you bring it to English as a direct translation from German. I think okay. that communication from the other side is not based upon our language. Like we go back to 1901. That EVP of turns around, turn around, turn around. You've got a Russian working with a shamanic tribe, none of whom had English as a basic language. But the unit that was used was created in the United States. So I'm, I'm Oh wow. Yeah, so the going back to the first EVP, it's crazy like that. We don't know how they communicate. First of all, no one ever knows how they communicate. We don't know how we're receiving the communication. 
Well, so if that's the case, then we may be transcending our language when we're on the other side to communicate. Um, you may be, I speak English now. When I communicate yeah. from the other side and I want to work with some German colleagues or some South American colleagues who speak Portuguese, how do I know that I cannot, that my English is going to be limited to English on the other side? I don't know yeah. that. Yeah, if I'm using the lens of trying to speak to Portuguese, um, a great example, current example. Have you heard of TimeStream? Um, no, I don't believe so. Okay, TimeStream is a major EVP project. There is a okay. station on the other side called TimeStream. And it works, it was basically started in Portugal and Spain. And then it started getting picked up in uh Germany, it got picked up in America. There's a lot of people doing time stream work here now. And this one source is able to communicate in all those individual languages. That is current today. That is fantastic. Um, you know, a, a theory that I've always had concerning, um, and, and I kind of wanted to get, you know, your thought on this because you are the expert on this, um, the universal mind theory, you know, mm -hmm. stating that we all go back to this universal mind. Our spirits, souls, whatever, all make up this universal mind. And that's why it's able to break down this, um, this language barrier, so to speak. Um, I, have, you, have you read up on the universal mind? And what, what, what do you think of that theory, so well, that's to speak? When, that's when you get into the hard problem of consciousness. And to be frank, we still have no freaking idea what consciousness is. We don't know... Right where it resides. I personally think that we are consciousness receivers, not generators. Um, this is a skin suit that is being operated by a consciousness, not of this plane. Um, I think that we are put here in bodies to interact with other bodies in the physical realm as sensation and working for consciousness of another plane. And this has been proven time and time again. So, um, for example, mediumship. Another consciousness mm -hmm. comes in, takes over your skin suit, starts speaking. Remote viewing. You are projecting your consciousness away from your body so you can see somewhere else. Automatic writing. Some consciousness comes in and controls your hand while you're somewhere else. Um, Out-of-body experiences, near-death experiences. It's all consciousness leaving this skin suit. So we are just, we're marionettes for consciousness. So I think consciousness is Basically, we're here, consciousness is here, and we're being controlled by, you can call it the astral cord, whatever you want to call it, but um, basically we are uh, doing this, um, we're getting controlled by the other side, and I think that consciousness all pools together on the other side to work with different people. Um, that goes straight into mediumship, uh, where mm -hmm. you're communicating with consciousness, not a person itself. So if you go to a psychic and it sees your grandmother, it's seeing your physical grandmother in the in the soul of the physical grandmother. You hear the physical grandmother in your head, but it's not the physical grandmother in the room. You're dealing with a different consciousness. And there are different theories about how this consciousness pools um, going back to the theosophists. I, I tell you what, Tim, how about we do this? Let's take a let's take a quick break so we can pay some bills here, oh, and sure. uh, then we and then we come back. We'll we'll get into that portion. Also, I have another question after you're done with that concerning the difference between doing like ITC and working with a Ouija board or some <laughs> other kind of 
you know, mm -hmm. spirit communication. So what we're going to do is, is we're going to take a break. And uh, we've been talking and having a fascinating conversation with uh, Tim Woolworth of ITC Voices as well as Paranormal Study. So um, stick around. This is Stephen and Rick. And uh, when we come back, we're going to be talking some more spirit communication with Tim Woolworth. Explore the fascinating world of the paranormal on the Label 13 YouTube channel. Watch captivating paranormal videos, full paranormal documentaries, and watch exclusively the entire 20-episode first season of Shadow Initiative Paranormal TV for free. The Label 13 YouTube channel showcases paranormal footage that has been seen on A&E Biography, Travel Channel, and Discovery Plus. Watch Label 13 at youtube.com slash label 13 videos. That's youtube.com slash label 13 videos. And don't forget to subscribe for more of the supernatural. You are listening to Shadow Initiative Paranormal Talk with authors and ghost hunters Stephen Lancaster and Rick Hale. She's alive. Um, all right, and welcome back to the Shadow Initiative Paranormal Talk with Stephen Lancaster and Rick Hale. We have Tim Woolworth on the show today, um, a man who has got so much knowledge concerning spirit communication. Um, thank you so much, Tim, for uh, sticking around for another segment. Yeah, no problem. That's been a real pleasure. Yeah, awesome. So tell us, um, yeah, you have like filled my head full of so much information. I actually forgot where it is with that we left off. Yeah, no problem. We we're talking about consciousness and right. uh, the pooling of consciousness, I think is what you had. So going back to theosophy and even Thomas Edison, there are beliefs that when our consciousness leaves our body, when we die, there are things called swarms and it breaks mm -hmm. up into different pieces. And sometimes it reforms completely. Other times it forms in different pieces and gets scattered throughout. So basically that particular belief is that consciousness comes together as a whole and we're all pulling from little pieces of that consciousness. Now, I, I think of like Nikola Tesla, the guy whose vision for free energy, he was walking on a beach in New Jersey and the idea of uh, free energy coming down hit him like a bolt of lightning and mm -hmm. he dropped it to his knees and drew it in the sand to so he could get a visual representation of it so he would not forget thomas uh, einstein with this theory of relativity hit him out of nowhere ghost boxes um created by frank sumption vision came out of nowhere that consciousness sometimes pools down and is able to attach itself to other people and just infect them with an idea that moves humanity better towards the betterment excuse me consciousness i think is pooled on the other side i think we all pull from it but i think we all have our individual piece of that consciousness we're all legos in the lego brick wall basically i think that that's the best way to put it especially right now because my son has been sitting here building a diagon alley that we have for christmas <laughs> so that's like that's a perfect way of putting it um so now there there, there is another thing that that uh that kind of a sticking point with some people. 
some people would say that there is no difference between trying to communicate with the spirit like this uh, through EVP or ITC or whatever and using a Ouija board. Okay. Um, okay, but it, it, is is there a difference or is there no difference at all? Uh, communicating with spirit is communicating with spirit. Well, that's pretty much it. I mean, it's basically analog versus electronic. It's And I mean, pre-Ouija, it was just the planchette. The Ouija board sped up the planchette. Uh, ghost boxes have sped up the Ouija board. So you're, allow, you're allowed to get real-time communication. All of these things work. Automatic writing works. I mean, the works of Geraldine Cummins and so many others um, are resound, last because they are communication from the other side. So where it's going, there are some really cool things. There is a professor out at the University of Arizona. His name escapes me at this particular moment. And he's made something called a soul phone. A soul phone is something he sunk millions of dollars into to communicate with the other side. And basically right now it's doing yes, no answers repeatedly on the same answers from multiple different persons. And eventually it's going to be available for everyone but it's taking its time and they want to perfect it and make sure that the papers are published and that it's ironclad because you know how skeptics love to pounce on anything that's parapsychological these days. And he, he envisions within the next hundred years that soul phone is just the very start of it, that with holographic projections and whatnot, we will be able to sit down and have someone like Einstein, the spirit of Einstein, talk and walk on the stage and communicate directly with us in two-way communication. I mean, that is like a sci-fi future, but that's how he envisions the technology going. If, if it keeps going at the clip that it's going right now. Right now, do you think that one, that one day we're going to be able to absolutely prove that ghosts exist, the afterlife is real. I mean, I think that three of us here already know this. I mean, just, you know, a month ago, I saw something that I couldn't quite explain um, that kind of reinvigorated my faith, so to speak, in the afterlife. But um, do you see this going in a way to where it will be taken out of um, the average person's hands and put it into science scientists' hands? Well, it's been in scientists' hands for years and years and years. You I'm realize- talking mainstream science, though, like these, you know, gentlemen out there are like, this stuff isn't real. I think it was Brian Cox who recently just said that, oh, ghosts aren't real and what people are seeing is absolutely nothing, you know, to paraphrase what it is that he said. Mm-hmm. Do you see that guys like that finally one day saying, well, there's something to this? Well, the evidence is already there that there's something to this. But my wife's a scientist as you Mm -hmm. may or may not know. Um, So I understand how scientific funding works. And if you ever went to a group that provides scientific funding from the government or military and said that you had proof that that you could generate a ghost and you want to do it in a lab space, you would never get funding again in your life. There are, there are certain groups out there where this kind of work can be done, and it's still fairly privatized. There is mm-hmm. the Ryan Institute. There is the Monroe Institute, the Windbridge Institute, and the Institute of Noetic Sciences. Um, they are all scientifically grounded. They have 
scientists working for them who have worked for amazing uh, universities in the past. Like, for example, IONS, the Institute of Nordic Sciences, was started by astronaut Edgar Mitchell. And Dean Radin is the head of science there. And he's worked with, at Stanford and Princeton and all, all these other places as a, as a physicist. Um, I mean, the, the evidence for ghosts is always going to be iffy. We know yeah. that the, we know that uh, poltergeists exist. We know that they can be dispelled via psychology. We know that they can be measured um, in their intensity and the individual putting them out. But can we can we generate a poltergeist in a lab? It's been tried, and the effects are minimal. Um, with because. Typically, a focal agent has like two months, you know, two months is basically what you've got to work with, with a poltergeist eruption and, to, right. and actually getting to a case and getting it into a lab to study. It's impossible. It's not going to happen. Ghosts, they are not beholden to anybody or anything. You're not going to put a ghost in a box and carry it to a lab. It's not going to happen. Um, what we can do in labs is research into ITC because they're ind independent devices that can be um, looked at by scientists. Are they going to be looked at? No. Um, and psi is the most important thing in the paranormal. It's not ghosts, but we know that psi has been proven so many times over the last 140 years that uh, a statistician, she uh, addressed the a conference of statisticians in the United States, their annual gathering. And she said that the, the uh, if it were any other science, any other science, the mm -hmm. statistical significance of parapsychology of psi would be a proven fact. It right. is six. It is six sigma, um, which is basically like a billion to one chance that psi does not exist when you take a meta analysis of it, and uh, a matter of four sigma is enough to win a Nobel Prize. Just to put it in perspective, um, so that's two degrees lower, and uh, so we know psi exists. We know that ghosts exist personally. We cannot yeah. do it in a lab, though. It's just not possible. Well, it's it's, it's spontaneous activity. I mean, yeah. you, I've obviously, you know, you don't want to go to someplace and say, all right, now, ghosts, we want you to perform. They're not circus monkeys. This is the consciousness of a person that has um, survived the death of their body. Well, that's a, that's a huge assumption right there. That is right, a okay. huge assumption. Okay. Um, how do we know, for example, that a quote-unquote a residual haunting, you know, this lady walking up and down the hallway, and she doesn't interact with anybody. Therefore, it's just a, a replay, a stone tape theory, which is, you know, the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard, where um, the environment records something and plays it back. Uh, when you're dealing with physical particles they do one of two things they bounce off or they pass through they never get absorbed and played back unless there's a mechanism devised for it like a cassette tape for example a lime a uh, a limestone wall is not a cassette tape so that lady walking up and down the hallway now you assume that it's a ghost 
if we okay. look at if we look at quantum physics and all moments in time are happening at the exact same time it's just our perception of what it is relative to the speed of light is how we witness it so if all moments in time are happening at the exact same time how do you know you're just not peering through the veil and that's a woman living right now walking up and down her hallway okay well thank you for correcting me i appreciate that um but I'm going to stand by my by by what I believe. Although I, you know, accept what it is that you're saying. You know, I'm going to stand by the things that I believe. So, Stephen, you said that you had some some stuff that you wanted to uh, cover with Tim. Yeah, I do. Um, Tim, first off, it's great having you on the show. You're you're so well spoken, so intelligent. It's such a relief to hear somebody other than Rick talk. So I just wanted to, <laughs> to throw that out there. But uh, give me give me the floor here for a minute because I do want to pick your brain on some things. I am my own worst critic when it comes to research, and Rick will tell you that. I will beat it apart before yeah. I, I say, you know, it's something tangible or credible. Um, <clears throat> with what Rick said with man-made science not really recognizing it or whatnot, I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that what we're trying to do is is mostly field research because there is no way to put this thing into a cage or a container and take it into a lab and work work on it now now when it comes to evp i am just as skeptical as evp am I, as i am of all these orb pictures okay and, and and the reason that i am is because if i can't see it i don't want to hear it and I would drive you nuts. I would drive you absolutely nuts. He drives me absolutely nuts at, at, the, so, at the way at the way I can talk. Uh, I conduct a EVP session. Okay, it's it's about a two to three hour setup before I even begin. I have the audio devices, but I have cameras covering every single aspect of that area, inside and outside, because you know I've seen these teams. I've I've accompanied some of these teams they wear their little recorders on their vests and then all of a sudden they got a thousand evps and you know as well as i do it's it's the stomach growling or the shifting of their clothes and, and you know people who study and analyze audio you can tell when stuff is being fraudulent when there's another track edited when the frequency is different that kind of thing um for me it's if i capture something in that room i have 360 degrees inside and out a video to watch just to rule out any you know anything outside causing that sound you know in the distance far was that a train so many miles away but it resonated enough to make what sounded like a voice so so in other words i have to have video to go alongside that audio before i even take it seriously because it, it's just it's it's hard it's hard to listen to somebody say, here, listen to this voice. Because I've had some strange things happen, man. I, I was doing a, a, a case at an old, um, it was the old Vision Hosiery Mill, where they made uh, ladies' hose, you know, ladies' whatever, you pantyhose. And I captured what I thought was an EVP, a very vivid voice of a man saying, right there. And what was interesting about this voice is it sounded just like the owner of this old factory. Well, when I presented it to him, he said, that's my voice. How did you get my voice on that recorder? 
after reviewing all of the cameras that I always have set up that drives everybody nuts, he was sitting in his office talking to his wife who could not find her keys. And he is telling her on his cell phone, they are right there. They're right there. Now, somehow across 4,000 yards, that right there got put onto my audio recorder. So you you, you kind of see, I, I think... To, to go back to what Rick was initially saying, it's not recognized as b- because there's not enough. Um, I mean, it's recognized within certain groups like ourselves, but it, there's not enough data to go with it. It's, it's easy to say this is what it is, but it's easier to say this is what it's not because we don't have all the elements covered. Does that make sense? How, how do you feel about everything I just rambled on about? <laughs> That's great. Um, I I appreciate the integrity that you're putting forth towards it, but you're taking a huge segment of real investigation out of the equation. All of your all of the EVP researchers, about ninety percent of the ITC researchers out there, do it at, do it in controlled environments at home. Now, if I so you're saying that it's you want to control an environment. That recording the voice of somebody who might be there can obviously throw the whole investigation askew. That's fine. What if I told you that on three separate occasions, and these clips are available on my website with analysis, that I've recorded the voices of people who are alive and well and were several miles from me through a ghost box? No, I find that interesting, and and that was partly what I was alluding to with picking up his cell phone, especially in this day and age with all of these different frequencies and 5G yeah, and everything going great. everywhere. I mean, I think now like imagine you said earlier, it doesn't always have to be someone, a ghost. <laughs> right, imagine someone re- recording someone through a ghost box, and I recorded a, my old roommate's voice who was asleep in California and I am in New York doing a session. And he not only came through, he said my vo- my name in his particular tone, in his particular voice. And then he said the word Karina. So I hadn't talked to him in forever. And he comes through and he says, Timmy, just like he used to when we were roommates in the nineties because of South park. So he used to call me Timmy all the time. <laughs> and then he said the word Karina. And then I go through the, I go through the tape and I send it to him because he is also a former audio engineer. And he said, how in the hell did you get my voice? And I had to describe everything that was going on. So I had him record what the exact same words, the same thing happened. A lady that was in my ghost group, she was practicing lucid dreaming. She was asleep 45 miles north of me. Her voice comes through and it is identical to her normal voice. And you can actually look at the spectrograph that I have on my website between her voice and the voice that came through a damn ghost box. So you can be as critical as you want, but there are things that we just cannot explain about this world. And that's one of the crazy things about modern science and the way we look at it. We want to break things down to their most infinitesimal small things. We want to look at the minutiae to try to figure out the big thing. And we never look at the big thing. The big thing is consciousness and consciousness is what we're communicating with at all times. So you may have had somebody speaking through their cell phone. What'd you say? 1200 feet away? Something like that. About 4,000. 
4,000 feet away. So that person speaking through their cell phone, how do you know their consciousness wasn't in the exact same building that you were in at the same time? And that's why you picked it up. You weren't picking up the cell phone communication. There are so many questions we don't have answers to. And one of the big problems in the paranormal is when we try to put these answers on it, we build ourselves into a box and that box gets smaller and smaller and smaller. And if we have the wrong answer to start with, all of a sudden we can't find our way out of the box. Well, I definitely mm-hmm. 100% do not disagree with you. I no, mean, neither the, do I. The, the very, my stance is solely rides on energy. With, with all the paranormal stuff, it is it all goes back to energy and all that energy linking together. So, and I've had what you've said um, or what you had described happen where I've went to, let's say, said location with a group and we've investigated it a handful of nights and then maybe two months later, go back minus a few of the people I had with me and then capture one of their voices on our recorder. And they weren't even there that time. So I, I'm definitely not. I completely agree with that. I think I think the more we study energy itself, the more we're going to find these answers. It, it's not always a ghost, in my opinion. No, exactly. And if we go back to the point made earlier about all moments happening at the exact same time, that researcher that you were with at the location, they could be speaking those words, you know, in the past, in the future, at that particular location at that time. And you're just getting that audio stochastic stochastic resonance ripping through the veil and you're able to record it. Now, what's your theory on because because this is something that from a technological standpoint is has kind of baffled me. But at the same time, we can use anything literally as a form of communication. Mm-hmm. Um, people, I've had investigators use magnetic alphabet letters, you know, etch a sketch, you know, stuff like that. But let's say I have a room with eight cameras running, six audio recorders, and that voice is only on one of those devices. What's your, what's your theory behind that? I wish I knew. Um, I've done the same thing at an asylum that I used to go to all the time, and we would lay down three recorders right next to one another. I mean, just inches apart, and an EVP would only show up on one of them. Um, I don't know why that happens. I have no clue. Um, There are (laughs) the ratio of questions to answers in this field is just orders of magnitude. And that's why anybody who tells you that they're an expert or they have the answers (laughs) is just the person you want to run away from. Anything that you think you have an answer on should generate more questions than that answer. Well done. I love it. it, it. It's like I always say, we're ne- we nobody can really call themselves an expert until they die. Hmm. All the experts are dead. And that's when we're going to finally know when we yeah. get to that point. Yeah, I always say that there are no experts in the paranormal, but there are those with more experience. So there are things that you can be expert in. You can be uh, an an, elect- an electrical engineer and know how an EV, how a voice recorder works from soup to nuts. You can be an audiologist right. and can look at audio and break it up into where it winds up in the spectrum when you're recording. But how the spirit communicates with us, we have no freaking clue. We are getting closer though. Like uh, there was a great study in Brazil of people who had been automatic writing for 30 years or more. Now what they did when they, mm-hmm. they took writing samples of you know people when they were in their normal state 
And then they were running scans of them while they were under the auspices of automatic writing. And what they found is the language center of the brain is actually turned off when automatic writing. A different section of the brain lights up. So the section that you should be using when you're writing, the section that you should be using when you're speaking gets diminished while another area lights up during a trance state. And the words that were coming through in a trance state were, well, to be put it, the language was better. It was written better um, than these people would normally do. And so we're finding that, you know, there are physical things that consciousness in our body can interact with. But once again, we're still at the infancy of this type of study. Yeah, I could see this being decades, if not a hundred more years in the future when we finally have an understanding of this. So, Tim, we finally come to that um, that part of the show that we like to call shameless self-promotion. So during shameless self-promotion, you get to talk about any websites, you get to talk about any books, you get to talk about any shows that you're on, you get to talk about anywhere that you are speaking, and go. <laughs> well, first of all, ITC Voices, it's about everything ITC. Um, that, that's been online for uh, 12 years now. There's this little site called Paranormal Study, and uh, we've got this writer on there. He's uh, he's an up-and-coming writer. You may have heard of him. I don't know. Um, his name's Rick Hale. And, uh, <laughs> Who's got two thumbs and is named Rick Hale? This guy. <laughs> um, upcoming speaking speaking engagements. Uh, I have a charity event for the Lost Limbs Foundation at uh, theater next to Ashmore States. Um, Potographs is not sold out yet. Potographs in uh, Michigan, Houghton Lake is in March, and we are trying. We always raise money for local animal shelters when we do these events, and we want to pass one hundred thousand dollars raised at this particular event. We should be able to. Do it. It's a huge fest. Um, Brian Kano and uh, a bunch of people are going to be there. Um, I don't know. There's some other events in the future. I don't really care about those right now because they're on my calendar and I've forgotten about them already. Oh wait, there's an ITC event down in uh, down in June, I think. In uh, it's in Ohio. Um, so it's strictly ITC, ITC people. It's going to be a fun event. Uh, I post all these things on my personal social media. So if you're connected with me there, you'll learn all about them as they happen. Um, otherwise, yeah, life's good. I hope life's good with you guys. I have nothing else to plug. All right, cool. Well, thank you so much, Tim, for joining us here at the Shadow Initiative. You have given us so much information. My head literally feels like, not literally, I can't believe I just said that. My head feels as if it's about to figuratively explode. So, uh, you know, thank you so much, Tim, and, um, you know, hope to hear, you know, more from you in the future. Yeah, no problem. Yes. It's been thank a pleasure. Thank you, Tim. This, this, was, uh, this was a pleasure. It was really, really good to hear, hear, hear somebody really talk um, in an educated fashion about electronic voice phenomena, not just check this out, dude. Listen to this ghost voice, yeah. <laughs> dude. It's a demon, yo. Yeah. Uh, All right, well, thank you so much, Tim. It was a it was a real pleasure finally getting a chance to talk to you. I've been writing to you. I've been writing with for you now for almost what two years. I think so. I think. Yeah. Yeah. So this was a real treat. All right, thank you so much, Tim, and uh, we hope to have you on again in the future. Cheers. It was a pleasure, guys. Take care, All right, buddy. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. Hey, my friends, check out my good friend, Chris Beck, and his work at All Around Art. 
From lifelike paintings to detailed sketches to phenomenal tattoo artistry, if you can dream it, Chris can bring it to life on canvas or your skin. His art has been showcased in published works such as the paranormal best-selling book Norman 2, The True Story of a Possessed Doll's Revenge. Visit him online at facebook.com slash allaround.art.com. We now return to Shadow Initiative Paranormal Talk with your hosts, Rick Hale and Stephen Lancaster. Welcome back, guys, to the Shadow Initiative Paranormal Talk. What an awesome guest, Tim Woolworth. I mean, that was like a walking encyclopedia of electronic voice phenomena awesomeness. Yeah, it really was. I mean, just, you know, it's something that we pretty much universally use but you get a lot of people they don't really know the history behind it they don't really know the theory behind it this wasn't something that just came about back in 2004 when uh the um you know uh, luigi and mario of the paranormal world started doing their thing on television this has been around for a really long time and that's the thing you know with, with you mentioning them i mean all these people that's that's what they think it is they think it's i've actually heard people refer to their audio recorders as evp let me grab my evp what do you mean grab your evp that's an audio recorder you're trying to capture an evp you know so it was really nice to hear tim speak very well spoken very well educated um you guys need to check out his websites um especially he, he said he's got uh the material on these websites where you can actually hear them so I'm looking forward to, to checking that stuff out myself. Now, you know what's really great about um, his one website, Paranormal Study, the one that I write for? He has this huge archive of books on PDF. Like, th- there's there's hundreds of books. Everything that you could, everything from psychic ability to um, alien abduction, hauntings, whatever. It's all there. And um, I, I have it. I downloaded it to my phone. It's like so. I've got like hundreds of these books going back to the time of the uh, start of the Society for Psychical Research back in the 1880s to today. So really, seriously, you know, go go and check out some of the things that Paranormal Study, um, of course, you know, myself included, um, but also check out this huge archive of PDFs that he has because it is. It is phenomenal. So much information. Yes. Today, folks, you have learned what EVP stands for, and that's extra, very promotion. Rick plugging himself, I don't know how many times, <laughs> about his his writing over at Paranormal Study. No, it's really cool, guys. He shares this stuff on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash welcome to the initiative. And as we said earlier, shadowinitiativetalk at gmail.com. You know somebody who'd be an interesting guest? Send them our way. Have a story to tell? Send it our way. Right, Rick? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know, with this uh, w- with this new segment on, on the show, Encounters with the Beyond, we are looking for your stories. And like I said, it could be anything. It could be your encounter with a ghost, with an alien, with a cryptid, um, psychic ability. It could be... You know, you, you believe that you had some kind of experience with parallel universes. It, it doesn't matter. Anything that is strange and unusual, supernatural, paranormal, 
write it down in two or three paragraphs, send it our way, and we will talk about it on air. Like today was our first one with Linda Beck from the United Kingdom. And again, thank you so much for Linda with sharing that very touching story with uh, with with uh, with your nana. And in hell, you can even write about your encounters with us. You know, what was that? You, as soon as I said encounters with us, that was Theo. He was eating lunch. <laughs> so we just had a Theo P, a Theo VP, not an EVP, a Theo VP. <laughs> So, yeah, write about your encounters with us because I love to hear about how awesome I am. And and we'll yeah, share well, that he, experience on this show. Yes, please make make Steven's head bigger than it already is. Please do. Please do. I'm getting older. I need I need the pat on the back. I need that boost of confidence. You need the affirmation. We understand, buddy. <laughs> it's uh it's it's middle age. You're going to start getting a little gray around the temples there a little uh, gray. Apparently you can't you see it Oh man, Gray Fox no, is paranormal, man. It's not just a there clever it is. phrase. There it is. It's not just a clever phrase. And you know, and, and it helps me because now, you know, it's been a week or so since I was on the Travel Channel. Now I can finally start going out in the public. It's all kind of died down, you know. So. God. Yeah. Yes, I mean, yes. I, I hate Mr. It. TV I, guy over here. I hate this. Sure you do. Stuff. Sure you do. You are the you are the Elvis of the paranormal. So hey, you know, <laughs> we all know who that is. So yeah, you know, great show uh, today with Tim. And next week we welcome to the show Adam Beg. I hope I'm pronouncing his last name correctly. It's it's Begin, and he is from Historically Haunted, and he's going to be telling us about his trips all around the United States, going to places where people have seen monsters and people have seen ghosts and people have seen aliens. He's going to tell us all about that. That is another great show coming your way next week. Yes. I, I was actually following along with his, uh, his videos this morning and I was like, wow, mm -hmm. okay. He's, he's literally like going down his bucket list and visiting all of these infamous locations. So it'll be cool to hear, hear about his, uh, his journey into the unknown. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be a, it's gonna be another really great show. So um, of course, yeah, man, I'm I mean, well, of course you are. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyways, so I think that that's pretty much it. Steve, yeah. you got anything else? That's it, my man. Let's wrap up this shenanigan. Thank you guys for being loyal listeners and following Thank along so with much. us on the internets. I just pulled our analytics, and believe it or not, Rick, the Facebook. People like me more. I said, believe it. Now, don't don't be falsifying <laughs> evidence. Uh, believe it or not, fa our Facebook podcast page is what's getting. I mean, we, you know, we're getting all the views on, on iTunes and, and app or Amazon Music and all that, but Facebook's number one. Okay, well, and that makes I, sense because you can yeah. listen to us while you're you know doing your Facebooking. Yes. all day. So that's cool. Keep it up, guys. Join us on Facebook. We'd, we'd love to hear from you. All right. Well, thank you so much. And thank you again to Tim for giving us, you know, like a quick rundown of uh, ITC and EVP. And just it blew my mind. And again, thank you so much to Linda Beck for sending us your, you know, like I said, your very touching story. All right, my friends, Stephen and Rick, we are out. We will catch you next week on Shadow Have Initiative Paranormal Have Talk. Have a good week. Join the hosts on Facebook at facebook.com slash welcome to the initiative.
That's facebook.com slash welcome to the initiative. Want to be a guest on Shadow Initiative Paranormal Talk? Is there something you would like to hear discussed? Contact the hosts at shadowinitiativetalk at gmail.com. That's shadowinitiativetalk at gmail.com.